we're going to move into our preach now. We're going to continue our preaching series in uh, Proverbs. If you've not been do- joining with the um, devotions during the week, you can do that. We've been following this book called The Way of Wisdom by Tim Keller. Uh, but we're also taking our um, preaching series on this. Um, and today, Phil Bowie is going to be speaking to us. Phil is a great guy. Um, it's a real privilege to serve with him on the Emerge team. Um, he is surprisingly useless with technology for a man his age, but he is also, um, he's got a great character. He is surprisingly passionate about God and that is infectious. Um, so I think it's a real privilege to um, serve on the team with him, to call him my friend. Um, and hopefully you will catch some of that enthusiasm today from what he's saying. Um, but don't ask him any technological advice. Um, so let's go over to Phil and um, see what he's got to share with us today. Wonderful. Thank you, Tom. Um, unfortunately, this is true what Tom has said. Don't ask me anything to do with tech, um, but I want to provoke us and encourage us as we live our lives in a way that says, Jesus, I want to follow you. And uh, I've just been really stirred this morning as we've been singing, uh, singing the song, the blessing. It just, I don't know about you, but it really helps me to engage with the heart of God and the heart of God for his church and for those that don't know him. Um, but just before we begin diving into the preach this morning, I just wondered if we could all kind of respond, uh, prepare our hearts. And um, I would encourage you, please do this with me. Open your hands now. We're going to pray together that God would speak to us and, uh, and that we'd be able to bring him lots and lots of glory because Jesus is worthy. So um, why don't you stretch out your hands and in, in a posture to say, Lord, I want to receive what you've got for me. Uh, perhaps you're not a Christian, I'd encourage you to do the same, to, to say, Lord, if you're real, then reveal yourself. And Lord Jesus, we do just want to say this morning, we invite you to speak to us. Um, we love your word. We love what the Bible says. We love um, we, we love the way you draw near to us. And I pray, oh Lord, this morning, even over the next 20 minutes or so, um, and the rest of our time together, would you draw near to us? And speak to us and identify the things in our hearts that need identifying uh, so that we can uh, better live lives that point to Jesus and say, he's the, he's the worthy king. We want to honour you, Lord. Oh, amen. So if you were with us um, last week, you'll know that Dan Hayter did a brilliant job of introducing our Proverbs series. If you aren't familiar with the Bible, Proverbs is a book in the first half of the Bible. Um, and the book is all about wisdom. Um, you may have heard of King David. He's perhaps the most famous king in, in Israel's history. Well, Proverbs was written by King David's son. He became king, King Solomon. And um, when he became king, God said, what one thing do you want to ask of me? And Solomon said, I want wisdom, which is a pretty wise move, to be fair. And, uh, and so God gives him wisdom. And Proverbs, essentially, this book in the Bible is essentially a compilation of all his writings through the course of his, um, his reign and his life that he compiled a wise literature, wise instruction for us to, to learn from. So let me encourage you, please come with us as we dive into this stuff and hear what God's got to say to us about all these aspects of life that we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. But today we're going to be looking at um, the topic of plans and decisions, choices. Um, 
And uh, I found an interesting fact. According to various sources, did you know that uh, an, an average adult during the course of their day makes around 35,000 remotely conscious decisions? I've got you on um, like group view, so I should be seeing lots of shocked faces right now. That's, thank you, Liz, I see that face. That, <laughs> that's a lot of decision making. And um, if you're a child, then listen up. I'm not quite sure how old you have to be to fit into this bracket of child. But if you're a child, you make around 3,000 remotely conscious decisions every single day. That sounds like hard work, doesn't it? It sounds like hard work to me. Um, when I think that I make potentially 35,000 decisions, remotely conscious decisions every single day, it's no wonder that when we come to the end of it, we think, man, I need a rest. Um, and, and so hopefully you sleep well. Um, but not all of these decisions will be important ones. Some of them will be half asleep. Shall I get out of bed? Shall I not? Very kind of not even conscious. What socks shall I put on today? It's probably not going to majorly impact the course of your life, that decision. Having said that, um, there is um, a sense where in actual fact, the majority of decisions that we make will be influenced by what is precious to us in our hearts. And that might be a number of things, but probably much fewer, maybe even on one hand. Uh, what is it that is important to you? Um, and I think a, another helpful question that is quite apt in helping us to pick this apart is um, what in your life, if it was taken away from you, would make you start to panic. So what is it in your life? Perhaps it's uh, rhythms of exercise and you're just, you're just kind of devoted to your exercise rhythms. You love it. Um, and there are many, many people like that. They live for the gym, that type of thing. That might not necessarily be you. Uh, I'm seeing some people shaking their heads. <laughs> um, it might be that actually, um, and this is quite a poignant one for all of us. So many of us have Netflix subscriptions or Amazon Prime subscriptions and it's our way of escape and it makes life a little bit easier because oh, we just watch that stuff on TV and it's comfortable and it's easy and it distracts us from the challenges of life. What if that was taken away from you? Um, we live in a, in a culture where everything is very easily accessible and so there's not a lot of things that if we're taken away we wouldn't be able to get back again. But I do want us to start thinking about what's precious to us because what's precious to us influences the decisions that we make. So this issue genuinely affects everything. It really does because it's about everything that we decide. What's important to our hearts means the decisions we make in our heads. Um, King Solomon, um, this won't surprise you, thought that actually putting God first is a good way of living life. And as Christians, no doubt that we all believe, we all agree with King Solomon. But he said in Proverbs 3 verse 5, to verse 8, he says this, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. It's a challenge because we all do this. In, uh, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. He is holy. He is worthy. He is Lord of all. Uh, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment 
to your bones. And actually, whether you're a Christian and you're listening and you're connected right now, or whether you're not Christian, I think we'd all agree what we do now matters. Um, but slightly to stretch that, and if you're not a Christian and you're kind of working all this out, then please just bear with us and come with me for a moment. But if God is real, if Jesus is Lord, and one day we will stand before him as he judges the living and the dead, then what, what Marcus Decimus Meridius says in this clip starts to matter because the decisions, if God is real, that we make here and now in the present echoes into eternity. It has a very real impact. And so we want to, I think, just ask ourselves this question. It's a bit of a two-folded question. Um, how can I then make good decisions in the now, in the present, wise decisions that have a positive impact into eternity? And the other side is, what is it that's going to hinder me or stop me from making those wise decisions or make me or, or, or make me make unwise decisions? going in a different direction and there's so many things we could talk about this for hours and so that's what I'm going to do um not really uh we've got a few more minutes but I wanted to just pull out just a few things that I think are really key for us in our culture in where we live in in the time that we live that we need to start thinking about when it comes to decision making the first is independence we live in a culture which is hugely um self-orientated to the point where um, more so now than, than, than when I was a child, and many of you who are older than me will know this has increased as well since you were a child. But we kind of live in a culture now which says, I make my own path. You, who are you to tell me how to make my own path? Um, the funny thing is we do still listen to, to other instruction, but generally speaking, when the things we like to pick at, but generally speaking, it's who are you to tell me what to do? I'm the king of my destiny. It's, uh, I'm, uh, I'm the one who's in charge of all of that. Um, and so uh, I think I wanted to encourage us to have a little bit of a, a deeper look into this aspect of individualism and independence uh, that we see in our culture and say, well, what does the Bible say about that? Proverbs 11 verse 14 says, where there is no guidance of people fools, but in the abundance of counsellors there is safety. Proverbs 15 verse 22 says, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Safety and success seems to be incorporated in bringing people into close proximity. Uh, it's interesting, isn't it? It's so countercultural. Another thing is uh, procrastination and passivity. And I just wanted to touch on this one. Uh, and you might think, well, how does, how does that fit in with decision making and choices and plans? Because isn't that doing nothing? Well, I, th I think this is an area of my life that I've struggled with. And as the years have gone by, I've hopefully made it a bit more, a bit more grounded. But actually, passivity and procrastination is decision making. It's the decision to say, I'm going to put that off. Um, I'm going to leave that for just a little bit longer. I'm not quite sure I want to get into that just yet. So that can wait. Um, or I'm not going to act when actually we're called to be proactive. I think proactivity has got to be the most wonderful, liberating thing that we can do to be free to make choices and, and do what we think is good. Um, and yet this is a real hindrance. And I think it comes from largely, not solely, but largely it comes from fear. Um, I know for me, it, it, the thing not to act um, came from fear. 
we'll get a little bit further into these in just a moment. Um, but another thing I just wanted to pick up on is this tension, the I want this and you want that tension. And we, we will experience this in all of our relationships that we have, and you have to navigate these things carefully. But in our individualistic society, we kind of think a little bit more, actually, I'm still going to do what I want. Um, I think Jesus modeled this wonderfully. Um, and we see him the day before he was crucified. He went up in the evening to the Garden of Gethsemane and he said, Lord, not my will be done, but yours. And we are going to be faced with time and time again, perhaps even you are currently facing these options and these decisions. Of actually, I know that God's will for my life is this. Um, I know that this is what he's called me to, or the Bible simply says this, and this is this is my instruction, that I'm to, to, to honour the Lord in this way. Um, so often there are different options ahead of us, and some of them are actually really wholesome and good-looking options, and they provide good things, but we might know that it's not what God has called us to. It might be that these options over here are perhaps less noble, um, and actually they are things that we really, really should avoid, but it's really alluring and attractive. Um, temptation is that, the temptation to go in to do something that we know actually we shouldn't. So the rubber hits the road when we start thinking, Lord, your will is this, and I know that, that's revealed to me. I get that, but I want to do this. And I guess my question to us is, what are we going to do in that situation? Who's going to be Lord of your life when all of a sudden you want this? And God wants this. Who's going to be <clears throat> who's going to be Lord then? But I want to encourage us. Um, so counterculturally, to look at all of these things, the Bible says, "Bring people near." Proverbs says, "In an abundance of counselors, there's safety, there's security, and there's success." We've read those verses, and so I want to encourage us to act counterculturally. You might be quite an introverted um, person. That's the way God's wired you. That's good. That's okay. But I would encourage us. God's made the church, his design of the church is that we would do close community with one another and be open and vulnerable with each other. And that means with the decisions that we make, we bring people close so that we can start hearing other people's opinions. Is this wise? Do you think this is good? Um, actually, the irony of, um, of, of, of me preaching on this topic was even just the other day, there was a decision I had to make with regards to work. Um, my work and uh, I'd come to my own theory and decision I thought it is good I shall proceed in this direction and uh, and then I had a conversation with Rachel my wife and she offered her thoughts and her wisdom and I very quickly realized my thoughts and my perceived wisdom wasn't very wise um, and in light of that I would just encourage us please because this is countercultural and it requires vulnerability let's bring people close the bible says bring people close who can who love you who are trustworthy who can influence your decision making well so let's do that together um where there is uh where there is uh, perhaps a, a reluctancy to get into this the word of god because it's quite hard graft sometimes i would encourage us the early church, we read in the book of Acts in here, it says they were devoted to scripture. God's instruction for our life, for every aspect of our life, is in here. And I really want to challenge us, 
I'm not a reader. I'm not. Me and Tom are different in that way. Tom mentioned he's, he, he loves to read. That's not me. It's not the way I'm wired. But I must devote myself to this. This is so, so fundamentally important for my instruction in how I live out my life. It really does have the answer. So I'd encourage us, let's get hold of this and let's read it together and allow the Holy Spirit to teach us through it. Um, for those of you who perhaps are presented even now with the options of I, uh, my will, my desire wants this and, and, and God wants this for my life. I know and in many in many ways, sometimes we know that this is better, but this is so alluring and attractive. Um, I would encourage us. Let's be. Let's follow our, our wonderful example, Jesus, who said, "Not my will, but your will be done." Um, and also, when it comes to not acting, not making decision, I would really encourage us um, to start really identifying what is it in our hearts that stops us. So, for me, when I said fear. It was that fear of what people would think of me if I did that, fear of failure. Um, and into the nitty-gritty of what it means. This hindered me from doing, from acting, from being proactive, from enjoying the freedom to just do things, good things. And I would encourage us to start really allowing the Holy Spirit and as we talk to Jesus, as we talk to our Father in heaven to say, Lord, Please identify some of the aspects in my heart that help that, that hinder me. Um, maybe it comes out from fear that hinder me from making these decisions because he wants us to live in freedom. Jesus, Jesus said, if 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 you if you if you know the Son, you will find freedom. That he who comes to Jesus will be free indeed. Um, and so I want to encourage us, let's draw close to him. And uh, and let's look at our great example. Jesus, who modelled making decision-making, making his plans and the choices that he came to in obedience to the Father. What strikes me so much is the verse that we see in, in, in the Gospels, in the New Testament, the second half of the book. Jesus says, I only do what I see the Father doing. And so I would really encourage you, and, and this I'm speaking to myself as well, Jesus lived in a proximity of relationship with the Father, which was inseparable. And there is something about learning to live in a proximity with Jesus who wants us to come close. He really desires us to come close. And so as we live with him in close proximity, we will know um, how uh, his plans for our life, his desire that he, he wants us to walk in. Um, Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness and he was guaranteed by the devil, if you submit to me, um, then I'll give you quick glory. I'll, quick, I'll give you a high place so that you can receive praise and honour. And Jesus said, no, I'm not going to go that direction. I'm going to submit myself to the Lord's will. In the Garden of Gethsemane, I've already mentioned, Jesus says, Father, take this cup away from me. What he was saying there was... Um, Take the cross away from me. I don't want tomorrow to go to the cross. It's going to hurt. And then he said, not my will, but your will be done. And um, so often some of the decisions that we make, even if we've got good options ahead of us, they look good. But Jesus is saying, come this way with me. And, and ultimately, Jesus followed the Father's will and he was crucified, nailed to a Roman cross. He 
then rose again and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. That's what the Bible says, receiving all honour and praise. Friends, as we live obedient lives, as Jesus lived in obedience to the Father, as we live in obedience, it might cost us in the now, but in the future, we will get a welcome from the Father saying, well done, good and faithful servant. And so I really want to encourage us. Let's be those who uh, follow our great example, the lover of our soul, Jesus, the one who loves us, who who purchased us, who made us able to come into the family of God by his death and resurrection. Let's be those who honour him, put him first. And in all our decision making, in all our plans, in all our choices, we say, Lord, I'm going to bring people close. I'm going to bring community. I'm going to live vulnerably with those that I trust. I'm going to seek you to influence the way that I start thinking so that you would influence my identity, that I'm found in you, I'm loved, I'm adored, no matter what choices I make, no matter what mistakes I make along the way, and that I want to submit myself to your will and not live out my own. We're going to pray, and then I'm going to hand back over to Tom. Lord, I really pray that you would help us be those who uh, know, as Jesus lived in submission to you, and it brought him joy. Jesus had joy above all of his companions. That's what the Bible tells us. Lord, I pray that we would experience this, even if it's difficult and it involves hardship, experiencing joy as we follow obediently and submit ourselves to you. Uh, living in community, Father, I pray that you would help us do this increasingly. In the name of Jesus. Amen.